one to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them that the Son of Man is to be delivered up into the hands of men. They will kill him. When he has been killed, he will rise again three days later. They did not understand this statement. They were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed which one of uh, with, discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And taking a child, he stood in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name is receiving me. And whoever receives me is not receiving me, but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to hinder him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who shall perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. And then starting at verse 20 of John chapter 17. Praying to his father the night before he goes to the cross, Jesus says, I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but those also, for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me, and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. The grass indeed withers, but not our Lord's infallible word. Father, bless this word to our hearts by your spirit, that we might see Jesus and rest and follow and trust in him. We ask in his name with thanks. Amen. We've been feeling the... Uh, Effects of winter, Mississippi weather, you know, it's a yo-yo. If you don't like it, they say, wait a few minutes, it'll change. And, but, uh, you know, it's cold. Why is it so cold? And I remember, well, it's January and almost February. Those are usually our winter months here. But uh, I was walking down our front sidewalk in front of the house the other day, and we have uh, daylilies that look kind of like monkey grass, but daylilies, and they've been weed-eated earlier in the season. And it's just a bunch of little brown, kind of like the top of my head when it's short, just scrubby little stuff, so it's not gray. But right in the middle, you're starting to see those green shoots coming up. It's not spring yet, but it's letting us know that spring's coming. Now switching over to America's pastime, Bradley, the great sport of baseball, which some of us really love. Uh, every year about this time, in mid-February or so, four of the sweetest words in the English language announced. Pitchers and catchers report. And they come together, then the team comes, and they begin getting ready for spring training. Whether it's going to happen this year or not, those scoundrels who have so much money to begin with, they're still in lockdown arguing over it again. I don't know if they're going to have a season or not. It really puts a bad taste in my mouth for baseball. But anyway, hopefully they'll get there. But when they do, they get spring training, they get into the season, and uh, fans, if they're not mad at them for this lockdown, are going to pour into the stadiums around the country and root and cheer for their team and eat some of the best hot dogs and salted peanuts you can find. And then, about the middle of the season in July, it all comes to a halt, and they have an all-star game. And for that one brief moment, it doesn't matter whether you were a Cardinal or 
Dodger fan or Braves fan or Cubs or where's Red Sox or a Yankee fan, you know, uh, what matters now is that your league is playing against the other league. For example, let's say Wilson Contreras, he's the catcher for the Cardinals. Cardinals and Cubs, kind of like the Yankees and Red Sox, are arch enemies. During this season, Contreras is not going to be pulling for, for uh, Paul Goldsmith, the Cardinal first baseman. But in this All-Star game, Contreras is sitting on the bench, let's say, coming to the plate now is Paul Goldsmith. National League has a man at second in scoring position. I can bet money that Contreras is hoping Goldsmith gets a hit and drives in a run. Because it's not the Cubs and the Cardinals right now. It's us against them. Now, what's that illustration, crazy it is, have to do with our text today? Simply this, that the uh, all-star game in baseball has a very clear message, I think, for the Church of Jesus Christ that we need to hear. Because it's so very, very easy to lose sight of an important truth. We get so involved with our own team colors or the, the jersey or uniform that we the way we play ball and our strategy against the other team and how they play ball and so forth. We can become so lost in that that we overlook the one true body of Jesus Christ that, that Ben was talking about. We say it in the Apostles' Creed and always, especially if you have visitors, when you say the Apostles' Creed, you wonder if they've ever heard it and you get to that line, the Holy Spirit and and one Catholic church, and I always think, they probably think, oh, the church in Rome? They, and it's not the church in Rome, it's the Roman Catholic church, the worldwide body of believers, all who by God's grace, having been dead in sin, have been made alive in Jesus Christ, and been brought to faith and repentance in him, are brothers and sisters, and it's easy to lose sight of that. We differ in many ways, and that's okay. But at the foot of the cross, we're the same, and that's where it counts. The disciples lost sight of that. John said, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to hinder him because he was not following us. Four questions, and I'll try to be brief. I think I will be. Uh, I don't believe a preacher when he says that, but I really intend it. I'm sincere. First, what do we know about this man? Very simple. He was casting out demons in Jesus' name, apparently successfully. The disciples tried to hinder him unsuccessfully. It appears this man was a true believer. This is based on what Jesus says about him. Uh, you know, how can a man do this unless he knows being he's sent from God and so forth? Um, you compare him, you don't need to turn to it, but in the book of Acts, we read about some people who were imposters. It says, also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit, I love this, the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and subdued both of them and overpowered them so that they fled out naked and wounded. That's not what happened with this man. When he named the name of Jesus in casting out demons, it wasn't some magic formula like abracadabra. It was divine reality. He was naming the name of his Savior, and the demons apparently recognized it and rightly feared. Second question, what did the disciples do? We've already seen, they tried to stop him. And why did they try to stop him? Because he was wearing a cardinal jersey and not a cub jersey, to put it simply. He's not one of us. He's not following us. Uh, maybe their motive, and I think it probably, their motive probably was good. I think they, they, 
did what they did out of love. They thought, this isn't right, and it's not what Jesus wants, but if it was, that's misguided love. Uh, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, makes a great statement. He says, while they, talking about the disciples, while they are striving, which of them should be the greatest? Remember, Jesus said, what were you talking about on the way? They were embarrassed because uh, we've been trying to figure out which one of us is the best. He says, while they were striving, which of them should be greatest? They will not allow those who are not in communion with them to be anything. They're not one of us, so we don't accept them. So what did the disciples do? They tried to stop them. Third question, what did our Lord, how did our Lord respond? He very clearly said, leave them alone. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them for two reasons. One, if he's doing a mighty work in my name, then he won't soon speak evil against me. In other words, he must be for me if he's doing this. Uh, if he has the faith to do this and cast out this demon, he will also have the love for the one who gives him the power to cast out that demon. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? He didn't know for sure who Jesus was yet, but he knew it was something different. And how, did he, how do we know that? He said, teacher, we know what? You are from God. Why? Because of the things you do. These, you're talking about the miracles. You'll see it in the margin of my Bible. I don't know what your translation is, but in mine, it ha- a lot of times when it says miracles or wonders, in the margin it says attesting miracles. Um, God did not have his people perform miracles to, uh, or perform miracles through them. To prove to us that God exists and he has power. He doesn't need us to defend him. He did it so the people around, say Moses or Paul or someone else, would know that this one has power because he represents me and he speaks for me. And that's what Nicodemus was really, you couldn't realize him. You couldn't do this if it weren't for me, if you, didn't know, if you didn't know the Lord. And that's what Jesus is saying about this man. He couldn't do these works if he didn't know me and love me. He's not going to speak ill against me. And the other thing he said is, if he's, he's very common, but if he's working for us, he's not against us, you know. And notice he uses the, the plural, not just me, but if he's working for us. He's, he's including us in that body. Uh, nothing done for Christ's followers, or actually that we do for anybody, non-Christians as well, that if we do it in the name of Christ and for his glory is small or insignificant, even if it's nothing more than, as he says here, giving a cup of cold water in his name. And let's realize this, that there's no neutrality with Christ. Once a person, now some people live and die and never hear the gospel. They'll die in their sins and they'll be rightly judged because we all deserve that. Uh, Romans 1 says they had sufficient witness through creation to know that they're sinners and that there's a God who made them and so forth. But some never even get the opportunity to hear the gospel. But some who hear it obviously don't accept it, at least not at first. And hopefully later in God's grace they will. But the point I'm making is once you have truly heard or encountered Jesus Christ, you and I cannot be neutral. There's no gray area. There's no holding pattern. Well, let me think about it and... Well, we can think about it, but while we're thinking, we're still lost in our sins. We're either for him or against him. Just like this, there's no such thing as, well, I'm almost a Christian. Well, you may be almost a Christian, but you're still not. Or I'm almost dead. You may be almost dead, but you're not dead yet or so forth. You can't almost know Christ. You're either for him or against him. And uh, that's what the Lord said. This man is not against me, so leave him alone. And then the last question, what lesson are we taught from this? And I've highlighted it in yellow because I didn't want to miss it. And it's simply this, and it's what Ben was emphasizing. We're to love and accept all brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter how much they differ from us. We do differ. In talents, as Ben said, in doctrine, in practice of the sacraments, uh, views of eschatology, um, the way we do worship, the kind of music we sing, uh, the way we do ministry. And it's not to say one way is better or more important than another. 
Uh, we all have our purpose. We all have our convictions and our beliefs based on how we interpret Scripture and understand it. But at the end of the day, even among all these differences, if and only if, because all the rest won't matter a bit if this doesn't count, if and only if we are kneeling before the cross of Jesus Christ and crying, God have mercy on me, the sinner, and believing in him and him alone and his righteousness and his blood, only then are we his children. And when we're his children, we're brothers and sisters. We're family. And in an earthly family, I'm a family of three children uh, that I grew up with, uh, myself and a brother and sister. Uh, we love each other, but we're different. My mother was different from my father, and it's true with all of us. That we have like similarities and differences, even in that family. So within a single church, you're going to have differences. Within a denomination, you have differences of belief. From denomination to denomination, uh, Christ has no room for narrow, narrowism, if that's the right word, or ex exclusivism, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, He's exclusive, and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and you're not going to get to heaven but through me. But when you're in me, there's no excluding uh, whosoever will may come. No matter how much we've messed up, and we do, and we're going to mess up again, and that doesn't make it right. But whosoever will, no matter who we are and what we've done, when we go to him, we go to one who keeps his word and forgives and accepts sinners and gave his life for us. I mentioned the Catholic Church, and again, I don't like to speak of another church. But I'm not trying to be derogatory, but they have their own public record what their doctrine is. And there's much, and I think everyone I've seen here would probably agree, unless you are a Catholic perhaps, that their doctrine, much of it, not all of it, but much of it is unbiblical. But that does not mean someone who's a member of the Roman Catholic Church is not a child of God. They're not a child of God because of that doctrine, but if they're, by God's grace, resting in Jesus Christ, though they may be far feeling much of what they believe and practice, if they're resting in Christ and Christ alone, they're saved because what does Scripture say in 1 John 5? This is the record God has given us. It's a gift of grace, of course. He has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. And it says, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. Not he that got baptized as a baby. Not he that went to church or went to seminary or gave money to mission. When I used to have a little devotion at the jail, which I hadn't done in a long time, I used to take my pen out and tell them in that verse, i say, let this represent Christ. It's very simple. We're sinners. Nothing we do is going to save us. You either have Christ or you don't. Again, there's no neutral. But when you have him, you're his child. And yes, it's important that we live a right life and try to obey him, just like these parents that we're going to try to live up to the covenant responsibilities to raise their children. Are they going to do a perfect job? If their children could understand me now, kiddo, Will, Sawyer, they're going to mess up. Not bad, but they're, they're human. I messed up. Oh, I'd love, no, we'll be like the, what was it, Billy Crystal and the, what's that movie with the cattle? When they go out on a cattle drive, somebody help me here. Somebody's as old as I am. Thank you. Y'all read your Bible, we watch movies. Okay, city slickers. And remember, there's somewhere in that movie that I wish we could have a do-over. Well, often in life we don't have do-over. We're going to mess up, but our Savior doesn't. But the point is, no matter who someone is, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to instruct someone who may be far feeling like we need to do it in love, as the Bible says, speak the truth in love and humbly. And though we think we have all the I's dotted and T's crossed, the, the creeds that we believe and based on the Scripture, hey, we may get to heaven and find out we were wrong about some of it, but we're not wrong about Jesus. He's that one solid Sure fact that he's a son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And if we can stand with anybody, no matter whether they've joined the church or not, whether they're Protestant or not a Protestant, and say the Apostles' Creed and understand what we're saying about a triune God and what that God has done, and his redeeming work through Christ and death and resurrection 
ascended into hell for us and rose again, then we're going to rise because he did. And we have a Holy Spirit who gives us life and forgiveness of sins through Christ. If we can say then that brother or sister is our brother or sister, and we need to treat them accordingly. So uh, let me kind of bring it to an end here that Christ's body, which was divided, excuse me, which was crushed, and it was, uh, said in Isaiah, it pleased the Father to crush him. And if he hadn't, we'd, we'd all be under his wrath right now, which we deserve. But Christ's body, which was crushed for us, must never be divided by us. We must, again, remember his prayer to his father the night before the cross. Father, that they may be one. Why? He said, so that the world will know that you sent me. And if there's ever been a day, and y'all, as I kind of indicated at baptism, ever a day in the society that needs to hear the truth, that's lost and has no hope, they need to hear it from the church because we're the only ones, regardless of what banner, we, whether we're wearing a cub or cardinal uniform, that doesn't matter. We're the only ones who know the truth, the gospel, the one that can give them hope. And if we don't tell them who is, they need to hear that. They need to see it. And they don't need to see a church bickering within a church or within a denomination or one denomination with another. They need to see that, yes, like Peter says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you, that we belong to Christ. Somebody's telling me it's time to finish and we're about to do it. Let me simply say it this way. Uh, the Lord knows those who are his. We don't always do. We can't see in their hearts. But may we, unlike the disciples, never try to hinder or stop someone who is serving or following Christ, even if they're doing nothing more than giving a cup of cold water to someone in his name. Father, give us grace. It's easy for me to say this. It's not always easy for me to follow and practice what I preach. You know. You see me when these people don't see me, and you see what's in my heart and mind. Uh, others around me don't even know that, but we ask your forgiveness where we fail. We ask you that more and more you would unite us by your spirit, that we would live in that unity, no matter how we differ otherwise, but that we would join hearts and hands at the cross of Jesus, that a lost world might see that you sent your son, and that they too might know him. We ask it for his sake, and we praise you in his name. Amen. That closing hymn is... All about this. The church is one foundation, one Lord, one faith, one birth, regardless of your jersey. And that's great. 347, uh, number one, two, three, and four. Thank you. Sing.